Today's episode of After Later is brought to you in part by Alamo Remedy CBD. Yes, there is a lot of CBD companies out there, but Alamo Remedy is for Texans, by Texans, and built in Texas. Alamo Remedy has one mission. Your wellness shouldn't break the bank, and that's why they price all of their products at just $17.99. That's almost half off compared to other national brands. Alamo, R-E-M-E-D-Y dot com, promo code after later at checkout, 10% off. Delicious hemp-derived CBD gummies, cucumber melon-scented CBD lotions, capsules, tinctures. Every product features 250 milligrams of CBD and only costs $17.99. So everybody can afford them and you get the best quality CBD products. AlamoRemedy.com. Enter the promo code at checkout after later. That's all caps, all one word for 10% off all products and free shipping on orders over $49. Now, Alamo Remedy loves Texas, but they are happy to ship to you anywhere in the great U.S. of A. I've got my order coming soon. Can't wait to tell you about how great they work for me. Don't forget, promo code after later, great CBD products at alamoremedy.com. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to the After Later podcast. I am your host, John Wessling. Thank you so much for coming to the show. I'm broadcasting live from the Wessling compound in the north side of Houston, surrounded by my children in the Furf Nerf Arena. What's up, kids? You all doing good? Yeah. Yeah, they're playing the Fortnite. There's cat petting going on. Uh, yeah, I don't know what it's like where you're at, but where we're at here today, uh, they have closed the state back down. Uh, coronavirus cases are climbing back up at a dangerous rate and uh, what once was open is now closed again and um, so yeah wear your goddamn mask people right hey kids shouldn't everybody wear their mask yeah. wear your mask wear your mask you dumbasses not not you children I'm talking to the people the people who are listening who are not wearing masks you guys are smart you wear you wear your mask that's good um, so yeah there's that <laughs> can't say we didn't see it coming right i mean that's what we all knew those with uh, any kind of sense in their head uh but uh antima strikes again you guys got what you wanted you whined and you complained and you got to go out and uh because everything was doing okay at the time and uh then you made those happen so all bars are now shut down i don't know if you're familiar with the comedy business but uh bars is just about 100 percent of where we perform at so first wave knocks out all of my big work I start filling in little work when things start opening up again and then people are sloppy about it and boom now I've lost a little work but it's okay it's okay other things are coming on besides the podcast is kicking ass I'm very very proud of the the, the podcast and how it's grown so far and thank you very much to the listeners for uh, staying with us and playing along here on the after later show I want to thank uh, obviously my two sponsors alamoremedy.com and old humble straight whiskey uh you say it? Old Humble, straight whiskey. That's my kid. That's, I probably shouldn't have my children doing uh, live reads for whiskey, but whatever. There's no rules anymore. Uh, but I also want to thank uh, my, my, my friends uh, who are listeners who are uh, just uh, throwing money in the tip jar. Uh, I've got a brand new one. James Herring. Thank you, James Herring. Uh, old buddy of mine from the Operator 11 Days. Uh, good to see him still doing well, and I appreciate the five bucks a month. Matter of fact, this morning I had to pay the... Uh, uh, the Xbox Game Pass. So thanks to James Herring, uh, Scott Henry, and Tommy Drake. Uh, my kids are playing the Furf Nerf behind me. So that's good, right? Appreciate that. 
If you'd like to be a supporter, just click on the button at anchor.fm slash after later. I've got a great interview today, and so I'm not going to waste too much more of your time uh, with that foolishness. Uh, this is a guy who I've been a fan of ever since I moved back to Houston and started doing sports talk radio in this town. He's an amazing sports writer. He's a columnist uh, for the Houston Chronicle. He's uh, been a host of several different shows at several different times, uh, TV programs. I believe he's been on Around the Horn. I, I totally forgot to ask him about that because I thought, I thought he was. And you know me, I'm a big fan of competitive sports banter. Uh, so without further ado, after, well, I guess, you know what, hold on, just maybe a little bit more ado. <laughs> uh, I, I, I want to make sure that I really pumped up the uh, the introduction there, because as you're going to hear, uh, he was not a fan of how I do the uh, introductions when I record the interviews. He wanted to be uh, heralded and triumphed. So ladies and gentlemen, after this quick word from Old Humble Straight Whiskey, I will introduce unto you Jerome Solomon. Howdy, stranger. You look like you need a drink. Now, I could pour you something pretentious from some sort of designer bottle, charge you an arm and a leg, pretend you're sitting on a leather chaise stroking something velvet, but to hell with that mess. You need a real man's drink. Get yourself some Old Humble Straight Whiskey down your hatch and get your mind right. Old Humble Straight Whiskey is a clean, crisp, and easy-drinking whiskey from right here in Humble, Texas. 90% corn, 10% malted barley, and 100% ready to whoop your ass. Old Humble Straight Whiskey is the official whiskey of the working man. You ain't got time for inferior brown liquors or bubblegum-flavored schnapps or some overpriced trash vodka poured out some kind of crystal unicorn's ass. Nah, Old Humble Straight Whiskey does the job right the first time. Drinks like a champ. No matter how you pour it, on the rocks, neat, in a cocktail, or my favorite, a double shot in a hot glass, clenched in your fist, and thrown back the back of your throat. Old Humble Straight Whiskey, it kicks like a mule right where you need it every time. Go to oldhumbledistilling.com, get yourself a big bad bottle at Specs tonight. And if they don't have it where you get your liquor, you need to get somewhere better. Old Humble Straight Whiskey. Welcome to the program, Mr. Jerome Solomon. That's it. That was the whole intro, Jerome. That's, uh, that's it. it. That's all I, I mean, got. I, you know, I start like that. I mean, that's that. I get a better intro when I walk into a strip club. I mean, <laughs> you know, I mean damn. I mean, you go, hey, Jerome Solomon in the house. We're the Houston Chronicle. Welcome on in, dog. Yeah, I mean, give give me something. I would, well, I, I should I'm sorry. I'm, I meant to say way, way, way back in the day when I used to go to those <laughs> oh, those places. Way, way, way back. Yeah. That's a very fast recovery on your part, sir. That's usually you know, the publisher retraction later. You call me up. Hey, man, can you can you take that part about the strip club out? <laughs> Just the first thirty eight seconds. That's all you got to do. <laughs> well, hold on. I forgot to tell you, like. Uh, uh, when I put the episode together, I'll do a, like in the studio, I'll do the proper full introduction. And then I just cut right to this point right there. That's that, that's why that wasn't like making a big deal out of it. I, yeah, I will make yeah, a big deal yeah. about it later. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Right, man. I mean, you know, you, you don't have a professional podcast here and you just throwing it together. That's fine. I don't need an explanation. <laughs> exactly. I don't have a producer. I don't have a budget. I mean, I got two sponsors. I got CBD and a and a local whiskey. So that lets you yeah. know the, the the quality of the, the stature of my business right and now. I know, and I know you, 
and you're using up your minutes on your phone that you buy. <laughs> so I understand, man. You got to make it happen one way or the other. Right. Well, I better get to it. Well, I, I, I thank you so much for coming on After Later with me today, Jerome, because you're one of my favorite people in Houston and the, in the media and just in general. Uh, I always look forward to your perspective on things, and uh, I'm, I'm happy to get a chance to talk to you. And what I think is the most perfect day, to, to have you on all hell is breaking loose craziness is all around us i i gotta i need your guidance jerome how do you see these things i i wish i had some guidance because it's um it like you say it is crazy and it's all over and i i do not understand people who do not understand how serious this COVID-19 is and the coronavirus and, and, and what it does. And, yeah, for real. And, 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 and even their explanation or their excuses or reasoning they use to try to dismiss it makes no damn sense to me. It's yeah. just the flu. Well, one, it's obviously not any moron would know that, but fine. Who, who the hell wants to get the flu? Who the hell wants to <laughs> wants to die from the flu? Frankly, I'm one of those people. I don't want to die from anything. <laughs> call it I whatever laugh. you want to call it. You know. I, I laugh at the, the the. You ever see this? You ever run into like a logic loop when you're discussing stuff with them? Like it's mm -hmm. as harmless <laughs> as the flu. Really? Because you just told me before that the flu kills fifty thousand people a year. <laughs> yeah, you're bragging about the death rate of the flu, <laughs> and now, now you're saying, "Well, this is only that; it'll only kill, and it's already killed way more than the flu would ever kill." And I mean, they, they, yeah. they don't have logic behind them. They don't. They, and and I, the thing is, I know people are stupid. I've gone about my entire life, you know, with the understanding that people are stupid. My father had a fourth grade education. He had to quit school to go to work because his dad had a stroke. And this was in the middle of the depression. And my father wasn't book educated, wasn't book smart, but in riding around with him and spending as much time as I did with him, one of the things that he always did was go, look at that fool over there. <laughs> look at that moron over there. And, and so now, Thankfully, he pointed out actual fools and morons <laughs> because right. whatever he would have pointed out and said, that's what that is. That's how you learn what to like and dislike and to respect and disrespect. And I'm sure a lot of people got on later in life and go, damn, my dad didn't know shit. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, that, that's around 30. I think that's what you get at 30. But my 30, dad you actually your parents are regular people. Mine actually knew things, you know, or or at least the things that he would point out and say, you don't want to be like that. It always stuck with me. So I've always thought people were stupid because my dad was always pointing out all the stupid people we saw. But man, this this coronavirus is taking it to a whole nother level. It's like, dude, it's people that don't want to wear a mask. What? 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 I mean, that's the dumbest thing ever. I, it blows my mind, Jerome, because I'm like, uh, people may be stupid, but one thing you can count on is that they are they have a self preservation drive. Right. Even the even the dumb don't want to die, right? So you think that this isn't? It's so obvious. It's so simple. It's the it's the easiest thing ever, and yet they refuse to do it. I mean, and they're, and they're angry about it. That, oh yeah, they're mad at you for wearing it. Yes. <laughs> They're looking at you like, what's going on? I'm like, dude. And and I'm not even out and about. I mean, I've fortunately what I do, I can do from home mostly. So I I've been around people very rarely during this whole thing. And I'm just like I say, I'm blessed to be in that kind of situation. But 
man, it just amazes me when I am out and people are not. I'm like, why wouldn't you? I mean, you ain't good looking, you know, and, and, you, and, 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 and you're not in a position where, man, wearing this mask is really going to damage something about me. And if, and if your manhood is tied to the mask, that's because you got a little ass dick. I mean, <laughs> and, period. End of conversation. I mean, because uh, and not. I mean, why else would you think that has anything to do with any manliness? That's crazy to me. Well, okay. Now, here's what I'll I'll, I'll postulate with you here, because you are uh, a member of the mainstream media. Don't you love that term? The mainstream media. The 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 non uh, tinfoil hat blog media. I guess right. <laughs> mm-hmm. But it, I, I am seeing just the signs of programming all over it. Like they have. There's a certain subsect, and I think we don't even need to say who, right? That they get their news from such a weird source, and it's not just news; it's their it's their entertainment, it's their it's uh, uh, their educational stuff. It all comes from a certain filter that it just takes a little bit of sloganeering and the right person saying that that's a that's a bitch ass move, and then that's yeah. what they think as soon as they it, and it's it's uniform, dude. I mean, I'm creeped well, out by the pervasiveness of it. It's everywhere, what, what, dude. And the word you nailed is the uniformness of it. What what's what's scary about these people are is that they say the exact same things. I mean, you and I, whatever it is, we might agree on something. I don't care what it is. We might agree on the favorite ice cream or favorite pizza or football team that we like or basketball player we don't or whatever. But we will use different words, different terminology, different expressions to to get out our point of view. These people just, they're robots. <laughs> they repeat yeah. the exact same thing. And it's amazing that I can post something or write something. And I already know what's going to come in response to that. And they're all the same words. And it's like, man, do you, do you not, I know you don't think, but you certainly don't think for yourself. It's amazing to me. Exactly what it is. They're they're waiting for the words to spit out, right? They they are skilled Facebook combatants. They love mm-hmm. it. They that's to them. There's like literally they probably have a meeting at the end of the day, like a police roll call kind of thing, right? Where they go over their books and like, hey, I I won eight arguments and I got blocked fifteen times. Well, good job, man. You way to bring home <laughs> victory to the party. You know? that, 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 that's a fun thing. Those people. You know, they they treat black people as a certain subset of of the world. And and we all do in many ways. Most mostly people like you, especially you're a comedian. But most of it, we're joking about it. And it's a fun thing. But, you know, I have always joked about the last black people meeting I went to because, you know, we all go to these (laughs) meetings to get our marching orders. These people are actually going to meetings. (laughs) Yeah, for real. For real, dude. I think about it because I've, I've got friends. I've got people I grew up with that I saw. I saw them turn, man. I've seen them, you know, become those pod people. And I got to think just by looking at their expressions and how they live their life now and knowing them, that there's got to be a warmth to it. <laughs> like there's a, there's a comfort that comes with basically it's when something happens, when a news event occurs, anything. You just wait for them to give you your code of programming on what you're supposed to say in return, and and you don't have you don't have to expend that energy. I mean, it, yeah, you know, it's I mean that that's human nature in a lot of ways. I mean, it's you a know, bad part if, of human nature. If, right? if you're in if you're in school and 
the teacher presents, okay, here's the information we're going to go over for the next two weeks, and there will be an exam after we go over this information over the next two weeks. Some people really fret it over, man, these next two weeks, we're going to go over this. It's going to be rough. And other people, I was one of those like, oh, cool, they're going to learn something new for the next two weeks. And then there was a special certain new like, I'm cool because somebody's going to give me the test answers at the end of this two weeks. So I, I, <laughs> I ain't got to worry about it. <laughs> and they've convoluted that into a sense of I don't have to think for myself. I don't have to make any decisions. All I have to do is wait for Hannity to tell me what the hell's going on. And then I know. And, 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 and to be fair, there are people in sports or, or sports fans who don't wait, don't put in that kind of energy. And this is far mm -hmm. more, far less important when we're talking about sports than this other stuff. But they don't put that energy in. They go, hey, I'm going to wait till Jerome Tal Solomon tells me what he thinks about it. And I can run with that because I know it's going to be solid. And, that, and I appreciate that. <laughs> I think <laughs> but that's like I said, it's that's sports. a lot of what the job is. You know, I'm glad you brought that up in, in, in relation to matters of actual import. Right. Like because you have mm -hmm. like the, the news, the real events, the life or death situations of our our daily life. Right. That's that's news. That's the that's the top line. Right. But then the bottom line is sports. That's our big diversion. And it's huge, but it's a pressure release valve. Right. It's a thing that we, we can get our we can have minor skirmishes with people about sports stuff to let the pressure off of the big shit. Right. Mm -hmm. And I've I've noticed this because that's the job when you know when I did sports talk radio, essentially the, the heart of that job is to give talking points and information to fans that they can use when they argue with each other. You're mm -hmm. essentially, you are a professor of sports knowledge. So that that guy, when he's at BW three on his fourth yard of beer can spout off a, a, a QB comparison. You have to throw <laughs> out and he sounds yeah. like a stud for the day. Right. Exactly. You know, that's, that's, yeah. that's, that's, that's the job. But have you seen, cause I, I still have tons of, of like followers and fans and stuff that I picked up from my, three years on the radio in Houston and people who I only knew them as sports fans. And I only saw stuff that they had in relation to sports. As soon as the, 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 the headwinds became more political and I saw weird darkness come out of people that I'm like, <laughs> Holy shit. I used to drink beer and I had no idea you felt that way. You know what I mean? I, I thought you were normal. <laughs> I know for real. And then it's like, it, it fucks you up. I'm like, man, if this is a regular guy who I played, I played around a golf with this dude. You know what yeah. I mean? I, I did a fantasy football draft with this guy. I had no idea that he's fucking queuing on thinking that there's goddamn lizard people out there running around. Like, Whoa. I mean, that, but that, that that's one of those that, is just how the world operates and how you see the world. And you can, and I'm not saying you're this person, but you're much more of until you show, probably until you show me that there's something wrong with you, you're okay. Right. And so yeah. that they never showed you that there was anything wrong with them. Then there's some people who take it to the extreme and, and I'll admit I'm kind of on this side, but not to the extreme where I, I just assume everybody's got issues <laughs> and everybody's <laughs> a little nuts and I don't want them. So as people say, I don't even like people. <laughs> but, yeah. So I, and, and being black, it's, it's a hell of a lot wiser to, to just assume that that's coming. And there are people too, like you say, once they, that, they've moved into this political stratosphere and that stuff is a little more prominent. Now you've seen a different side of them. That's there are people who are out there who are not racist at all in their mind. And they would tell you they're not absolutely not 100% racist. That's not how they see the world. 
but but let a, uh, an Asian woman cut him off in on the freeway. Yeah. <laughs> let dude. a black let a black guy run across the street while they're driving down the road, and you know, and and then you will hear what they actually think. And you know, because they're not racist for the most part, because they they live in an all white world and don't ever have to deal with this. Yeah, that's a that's such a great point, and I have I've, I have meditated on this thought, uh, Jerome. Uh, it's easy to live in harmony with your fellow brother and sister of all many colors. You can respect each other and live the the let's all have a coke together fantasy life as long as everything is cool and there is no there no, there's no friction. Because uh-huh. the hard part is how do you live in a post-racism world and still disagree with people or still have conflict? How can, because that conflict, it does not take long to pop that fucking scab open. And all of a sudden, you know, this guy who would tell you about all, every one of his black friends doesn't see color. You know, the guy I'm talking about, right? And all uh-huh. of a sudden, you know, b- black guy cuts him off in traffic and then, boom vitriol vile just horrible shit and you're like okay so that's what that's where we really have to work on it well, we're all look, we're all friendly and get along when it's cool but when it's not yeah. cool we, how do you do that well the the thing is one yeah we, we there's no such thing as a post-racism world because we'll right. never get there we're not in one and it's the their understanding of getting along i get along with black people well you know two of them <laughs> True. not True. a one of them has ever been to your house or one of them's been in your house so hey i've had black people at my house yeah it was a dude and his wife and two children mm-hmm. <laughs> at yeah, one right. time i mean and, 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 and i mean i i i live in a neighborhood that's almost all white and i and i i enjoy you know pushing the pressure point on some of them at times at my favorite watering hole around the corner a little bar and grill and uh and, and I, I like to see their reaction because they, i mean and some of it is they just really don't understand they think they're like hey you know there's diversity in here because i'm a black guy in there that's not diversity. <laughs> <laughs> that means you got one black dude in the building <laughs> that's it that's not diverse at all and y'all were welcome into the neighborhood when i was looking to buy a house the first real state agent i had didn't bring me over here to look even though this was the perfect spot for everything i was asking for i mean literally everything i put to tell this person what i wanted was here in this neighborhood in every way shape and form literally i'm not even exaggerating the perfect price point you name it didn't show me a house over here at all why because black people don't live over here and they don't sell houses to black people over here because Otherwise, there'd be black people over here instead. So when I move in, I'm the only black guy on my street, the only black guy in the, the whole area from what I could see, uh, especially then. And, and not even before I even moved in, bought the house, spent several weeks getting, you know, renovations done, bathroom updated, that kind of stuff. Right. I was over one day during that and I'm driving back and forth. The hardware store is less than a mile from my house. I'm back and forth to the hardware store getting different stuff as you always do when you, you know, you of course, back and forth. You, police, you never make police, just one trip to Home Depot. Right. Yeah. Police pulled me over. Why? Uh, can I help you? Well, saw you going back and forth. Is there a law <laughs> against that? <laughs> well, you know, uh, what are you doing? I, I bought a house. I lived down, lived down the street. I'm going to see your life. 
I really don't want to, but you know, hell, I'm I'm yeah. in a hurry. I don't have time to play here. Oh, your driver's license doesn't say you live on this street. I I just bought the house. I'm moving in. Oh, really? Mm-hmm. I'll be well, back. Then he goes and runs. Then he yeah. comes back and he's like, "Well, you know, the way you're driving around makes me think it might be some drug activity." Oh, really? The way I'm did driving he, a freaking really say a that? freaking Jeep Liberty. Oh, makes it look like drug activity because my ass is black. That's what it looks like. And so, but by the time I know I'm in the backseat of his car, waiting for the dogs to come out and sniff my car for drugs, just because, you know, and that, and that was my welcome to the neighborhood. And, and the street that I live on at the end of the street is a police substation. So they didn't know, they didn't know this black man showed up. I I didn't get permission. And wow. they didn't get any notice. Of course, yeah. since then, not a thing because they know, oh, that's the black dude. That's the now, black guy. I don't know how many other black people just get stopped randomly because they're not me. You know what I mean? But that's that's America. Man, that is that does suck. And I'm sorry that, that that's a that's a whole element to life that you have to deal with that I can't even imagine. That that's uh that's that's like a whole dimension of gravity I don't have to fucking deal with, man. Yeah. And, and 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 the thing is, and I can't, not can't. I, I, I tell myself I can't get ri- as pissed off as I want to get because I don't want to be a hashtag. Yeah. You know, I'm I'm you know I'm like so if I just went off in that situation, what is it is it worth it? You know or. Or d- losing my dignity in some sense and letting them violate my civil rights for thirty minutes. Did with, I don't? There was a, it was a no win situation. I didn't have you know. I was like, what do I do to? to, to I can't win this. All well, I can do is be upset. You know, it's horribly. Um, oh man, was, the whole thing is tough because you're moving into the neighborhood. You are about to be a neighbor. This is going to be what this is more than likely an officer who's going to be patrolling your neighborhood. Exactly. <laughs> He's going to see you a lot if you had a problem and he would be one, probably more, more likely one of the guys that shows up. So at that point, it's not a suspicious person like now. This is one of your constituents. This is one of the people who you are here yeah. to protect. And I'm having this weird thing. I have all those thoughts of like, man, I can't just I can't just act a ass and go off like I want to and call them all kind of dirty names and tell them what I really think of the situation. I mean, I could, but I choose not to, because like you say, it just, I'm like, will I win by doing that? Or will I win by just sitting there and laughing and going, dude, you're wasting time. You know, Hey, I got some dog treats in the back in, in the car. So maybe he'll find those. Cause I do have a dog that I haven't moved over here yet, et cetera. You know, I, and, and, and again, I, you can, you can hear it in my voice. Now I, even now, and it's 10 years ago, even now, I'm still like, damn, I should have just cussed his ass out, you know, <laughs> but yeah, I, I but I don't there was no there was no there was no good choice for me. And I made the one that I made. And I think I was fine with I could I was fine with either one of them, but one of them could have got me killed. And I, you know, I, I'm I'd rather live. Yeah, well, I'm glad you made that choice, man. And and I just watched uh, there's a Netflix series called uh, Explained. I don't know if you've ever seen it, but they had they had a whole thirty minute episode. Uh, they 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 dive into just completely different topics and and just take a thirty minute dive into explaining it. Right, that's all. It's pretty on on the nose. Uh-huh. And they had one, <clears throat> excuse me, about redlining. Ah, uh, oh yeah, right. And and that's pretty much exactly what you went through when they're you know 
real estate agents, they all back then, they you know, back then, same quotation marks, but um, they know what neighborhoods are zoned for what. And it's crazy how how that really stoked white racism for decades, man, was oh, yeah. about real estate value you, and, and you have, don't want to be your neighborhood. Yeah, you have that and you combine that with banks not giving mm-hmm. loans to the same kind of credit and same kind of situations, et cetera. And you, you totally affect that family's ability to thrive in America, their ability to have the American dream. And, you know, and, and not to harp on it, but it's the, the, the white people who just don't understand what white privilege means and, and how real it is are, are just amazing to me. I mean, I, I, I've known guys who are like my exact age and they're, oh, man, well, you've had every advantage. I'm like, dude, no, I've been black my whole life. I haven't had every advantage that you had. But we, if I just go back, not way back, not all the way to slavery. We can go there, and I promise you, I can bring it all the way here, but I don't even have to go that far back. Mm-mm. Just go to my father. He's an American, born in the United States, never committed a crime in his life, never did anybody wrong, the nicest man on the planet. When he turned 18, he couldn't vote in this freaking country. He didn't get the right to vote until he was 40-something. And y'all want to talk about the American dream? And imagine what else he couldn't do <laughs> in all of that time, that he, he couldn't even vote. And, and people don't understand. My grandmother right now is, is, is in hospice. She's not doing very well. And that's one of the reasons, you know, I had a tough time catching me earlier this week. Mm, sorry. Uh, but she just turned 103 years old. Wow. Uh, yeah, she's, she's been around a minute. My Mary is, is, is outstanding. But, uh, but she's seen it all, as you might imagine. I mean, think about it. As I, she, she's wow. a baseball fan, and she's one that really got me into the sport more than anything. But she was 30 years old when Jackie Robinson <laughs> broke the color barrier. I mean, she, she was an adult, <laughs> a grown woman <laughs> by then. You know, and, that, and what she has seen in, in her lifetime, and she grew up in a small, small, small town in Louisiana called Plain Dealing. And oh, just, okay. Right. It's that it's that small that it's just plain dealing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, and so it's like those oh brother, where art thou towns? Exactly. So I I, <laughs> I don't have to go into that all way back in the day kind of thing, you know, wow. that you know, and, and when all those people are like, yeah, your father and your grandfather, they went to college. Where they go to college? And where almost wherever they went, I can say, Yeah, see, they would they wouldn't let my dad in back then. You know, he, they, they wouldn't let people look at him even go to school there. But but you'd have never had any advantages in life. Get the hell out of here with that. Yeah, that's it. it was well, just incredibly naive. And and I think a lot of people get <clears throat> they get defensive and lose their they lose themselves because they think it's a threat on them. Like sometimes you just have to stipulate. Yeah, you're right. You know, what I mean, it's a person. They think it's a personal shot. And it doesn't mean your life has been easy. That doesn't mean you haven't had any challenges, but but you you were never held back because of your color. Of course, this dude emailed me a couple of days ago, well, a couple of weeks ago actually, uh, and mentioned that he, he didn't get to uh, become a Houston police. He, he didn't get to join the Houston police because he was white. And I was like, oh, that's kind of messed up. Of course, this was in the mid seventies. When the police department was ninety nine percent white, yeah, but, right. But his whiteness <laughs> held him back. <laughs> his, his particular whiteness, 
I'm like, dude, y'all are y'all are amazing to me in that sense. It, it, and and the thing about it, like I said, it's not personal shots at you, but if you understand that, then you'll understand you'll you'll further understand what black people are going to through and have gone through. And when you understand that, then when you get your ass on a jury and a policeman has killed a black man, you won't let him off because you think the policeman was just doing his job. You'd understand all that goes behind it and all that. Under, and and that's what we want more. People want more than anything is understanding. I don't want your money. I don't need you to give me, but give me an opportunity like everybody else. Understand that, you know, that you can't just have, hire all white people and act like it, that's right. You know? <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm not saying hire me because I'm black. I'm saying I, I, I the the one thing that stands out to me the most that really irritates me when they say, "Well, it we, I don't see color." Well, then you're fucking blind. Yeah, look, you're look at me. And, and you're a liar. I'm and black. You, you, the reason you don't want to say you see me as black is because you think my being black is negative. It's not. It's just the color, dog. <laughs> it, it, it's not a negative. So you can say, hey, when I see Jerome, I see a little skinny, bald-headed dude with glasses. And <laughs> is that a problem? It, I mean, yeah. it literally is like saying, I don't see hair. How, how do you not see that I don't have any? What I mean, you, you're afraid to tell me I don't have hair? Is that, is is that going to be an issue between us? <laughs> well, I didn't want to say anything. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe if I don't say it, he won't notice he doesn't have He's any hair. sensitive about the hair thing. Like I, I better not tell him. I better not say he's black because you know he he might be feel some kind of way about that black thing. I mean, it's it's some of it is really silly, but it's all based on it's that's how America has trained all of us. We're we're all damaged by this racism, and and running from racism doesn't doesn't get rid of it. It makes it worse. That's exactly it. I tell you what, we're going to take a quick little break here, Jerome, but there's something that came up in in one of my previous guests about two or three episodes ago that whenever I I got you booked to do it, I was like, I need to ask you about this because it seems silly, but I think it's actually it might be a workable solution to the next step in in uh, racial uh, harmony. Okay, we're gonna solve. We're gonna solve racial harmony today. Cool. I, we're, we're not gonna solve it. We're, <laughs> I, I think there's a, there's something here I wanted to share with you that I might be the right nudge to fix the people that we're that that you're that we're trying to reach. Right, the people more like me. <laughs> good. Right. Okay. And of course, we I can't have one of uh, Houston's premier sports writers and not talk about the current death of sports. So it's kind of kind of a big deal, isn't it? You you don't want to want to go black and white, man. I don't even talk oh, about race. That's I'm not my it. thing. You know, I'm not yeah. even. I'm not even. I don't even see color. I, I, <laughs> <laughs> save it. Save it. Save it. We'll, we'll be right back with more Jerome Solomon right after this. Welcome back to the After Later podcast. I am your host, John Wessling, uh, recording today in the After Later Lounge. Uh, that's uh, basically just the couch in my bedroom. Uh, and I'm talking to uh, uh, Jerome Solomon, uh, one of the best writers in Houston, uh, covering sports. Uh, he's a sports talk radio host. Uh, we've been on several different shows throughout the years. Currently, you can hear him on uh, ESPN 97.5 on Sundays with the Houston Sports Show. Uh, of course, uh, you're a, a, what would you what, how do you describe it? I don't know the proper journalism t- uh, term, Jerome, but you're like a features writer. You do features and stories. What's the how do you how do no, you call it? Uh, genius. 
Yeah. Genius. I'm, okay. Yeah, right. this yeah. genius, but I'm, you know, they, they call it a columnist, but, you know. Columnist. I mean, Thank you. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and the, and the, the difference with the columnist and regular reporters, and a lot of people don't get it because I, I get a lot of people who go, uh, you know, that's just your opinion. I'm like, well, that's my job. So <laughs> columnists, yeah. we, they put our picture in the paper and we do get to share our opinions and thoughts on things and not just the facts, oh. ma'am. We're much more than that. So, Hey, I wonder, cause you know, you, do you have the, the byline where it has the little headshot too, right? Yeah. 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 I, it, it, yeah I mean, I'm black, so it's a mugshot. Yeah. <laughs> like, wow, how can, hey guys, uh, just quick question with the editor. How come mine has the height bars behind my head? <laughs> yeah, what, what are those numbers? <laughs> no, one else, <laughs> no one else has their height on their <laughs> byline picture. I, I, I was born to look like a person of interest. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> you fit the description for sure. <laughs> oh, yeah. No, but hey, do, do you have, I, I know now they use a photograph, right? It's an actual photograph? Yes. But do you have like the cool art, like the where it looks like the wood carving, kind of like they have in the yeah, New York no. Times? You the don't Chronicle have an art version of your own like that? Yeah, the Chronicle never had that. Uh, the Boston Globe had it, and you know, a couple of the older Northeastern newspapers used to. But I, don't, I don't think the Chronicle ever did that. Well, they certainly haven't done it since I've been there. Well, it looks uh, cool, man. You ought to get yeah, you those one. are pretty cool. Yeah. We got to get you one commission in case you get like you know a column picked yeah. up by by like New yeah. York Times well, or Boston Herald yeah. or something. That, that's a good point. Yeah, one of the. Uh, the column, I mean, the Chronicle um, artist did a rendering or drawing of me. They, like they do when you leave or retire or quit to switch to another job or something. Oh, yeah, yeah. So I left to go to the Boston Globe for a couple of years, and then I came back to the Chronicle. And when I left, the dude did one of those, like, cartoon-type deal. And it was really cool, except, you know, he had me in, you know, in holding up lingerie because I used to own a lingerie <laughs> shop. Yeah. What? I did not know that. Yeah, it was business, you know. That was okay, good business. That, business is booming because <laughs> <laughs> I did not know you were in the lingerie business. I, I read a little lingerie shop for a minute or two there, a few wait, years. That, yeah. Wait, was this in your younger days? Yeah, or... I mean, yeah, it was. It was when I first started writing, uh, and I had a, uh, a young lady I was spending time with at the time who was a dancer. Uh, and, a, a muse. Yeah. She brought out the best in me in many ways. But uh, no, it's she, and she's like, hey, if you open a lingerie shop, we can sell dancewear to all the dancers that I know, and we can go places and, you know, we have automatic business. I was like, cool, let's do it. So it wasn't, it wasn't a sexually oriented business with, you know, of all of that, no. but it was literally, <laughs> that's a bad, of course. I know that tone. No, it was literally a dance, <laughs> I mean, a lingerie shop with, Dancewear, lingerie, and you know those kind of things. So it was, it was, it was, it was cool. It was fun. It, those, those were the good old days. <laughs> in the, in the, the Houston in those days, the strip club business was. Oh uh, man, that was a lucrative market to it get was, into. It was, it was the, the, it was the best strip club market in the world. I mean, mm. was, oh. Houston was that strong. Yeah, Houston is, was it, that strong. And and those girls' daughters are now uh, maintaining that tradition two generations deep. Uh, you can find them. <laughs> no, the no. The, all, all of the dancers I knew back then, they were just putting themselves through school. You know, that was that was like, you know, they were they were getting ready to be the lawyers and doctors, et cetera. So I'm sure their children are, are in a different 
stratosphere. Uh, that's, that's good. That's good. Yeah, I guess that. I guess they, they, you're saying they're not lying when you're when they say that they're paying for nursing school. Oh no, no not at all. I mean, and, I mean, and, and who doesn't want to give to a college student? Who doesn't want to donate to educating the young minds of, of the world? You know, as long as I write it off, absolutely. <laughs> Yeah, so I'm, I'm, not sure, I'm not sure. I'm not sure the IRS. I'm not sure the IRS looks like five table dances at scholarship donation. But yeah. uh, hey, come on! I, I used to have the you know the, the way they used to kick out the receipts. They're they're not at a strip club. You're at um you're at a steakhouse. I, I wouldn't know what you're talking about, brother. It was always, it's always <laughs> a steakhouse. Yeah, exactly. You can write off a steak. <laughs> <laughs> looks like you had five steaks in a row <laughs> you, you had a lot of meat there sir yes i did yes i did <laughs> service service was fantastic <laughs> well, so it's so funny here i was i was about to uh, to share with you what i think would uh, solve racism or not solve but begin the, the begin the process right but instead we got mm-hmm. sidetracked by the lingerie business because it shows that we we may be black and white but we're both men <laughs> it, it, it goes where it goes I understand. <laughs> well my, my my buddy seth coles uh and he's a uh a jewish guy from boston who lives in dallas now right mm-hmm. and i i had him on the show and we we're talking a little bit of and he sent me a google doc that had all sorts of links to like different history lessons, different uh, 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 famous black authors and treatises. And like, oh, it was cool. like, it's like a, it's like a full blown doctorate studies program for white people to bone up on black history. Like what nice. you, what you need to know for this course that we're living in. And I kind of, mm-hmm. when he told me about it, I'm like, oh, okay, that's interesting. Then I get it and I look at it. And I'm like, this is comprehensive. This, if you know someone who is just a regular suburban middle class white person, uh-huh. who God bless them, they mean well, but they've just they, they've been programmed. They've been programmed. I was like, you, if they read this shit, you would have a fighting chance to reach them after that. You wow. know what I mean? Really? Like yeah. it was, yeah. it's it's that kind of like okay. For example, uh, you'd be surprised. I don't think you would be surprised how many uh, white people have no idea about the. The, the attack on Black Wall Street in Tulsa 99 years ago. Oh, no. Uh, you'd, you'd be surprised how many black people have no idea and don't know about that. And that, I mean, oh. there's there's an overall lack of education or it's not a lack of it's the the way education is shaped in yeah. this country is just amazing. It's the, white, I, it's the I, whitewashing I, of curriculum. It's It's been that way. And I mean, and I, I'm fortunate enough that I'm old enough that the racism kept, you know, a good percentage of the best black teachers in black schools. So you had outstanding educators teaching black children in schools that the schools may have been inferior and the, you know, the, the, uh, the buildings and the facilities and the materials to work with were inferior, but the teachers were outstanding because these were, you know, well-educated, bright minds who couldn't get hired at other places. So, you know, you got a different kind of education. So I didn't get the whitewashed education that so many other people who grew up here. Well, that's great. You know, and I, and so, and, and I was also, I mean, I was a crazy reader. So, um, and my dad was a janitor and he worked at a church, uh, a big white church over on I-45, kind of, kind of catacorn across the street from gallery furniture where gallery furniture is. And so, 
that church had a library. My dad, I went to work with him every day during the summer, basically, and many picked me up after school or whatever. But I spent so much time in the library and reading all those books. And then they opened a library in my neighborhood in Acres Homes. And that library is now named after my aunt, Aunt Beulah Shepherd. Um, yeah. And and he would drop me off at the library and I'd spend hours and hours there. So I read books and things that, you know, that just were that education stuff that were not required in school and they didn't give you in school. So I, yeah, I, if, if people knew what they don't know, they'd see the world differently. Absolutely. And, and you are a prime example of how, important meeting is for youth you know i mean it is it shaped your life it made you you know look at what you're doing today i mean it you there's it's no stretch to draw a straight line from your love of books at an early age to to the job that you get to do now right the way no, you think no, no question yeah no doubt and, i mean and that, i mean it's and it's it's it it reading gives you information the how to interpret that comes from the people who teach you but the more you read, obviously, the more you know, and and you're able to to see things from different perspectives because when you read something, and and I and I've certainly learned that as a writer. I mean, if you only read what I write about a subject, you're gonna think like I think, and and I'm one of those I'm one of those mean writers in a lot of ways <laughs> where you know people that disagree with me they'll go, well, you didn't even say you didn't mention so and so. And you, you didn't say anything about the other side. I'm like, well, hell no, I didn't, because those, those people don't know what they're talking about. <laughs> I'm not yeah. going to make – and there are columnists who write like, well, here's what the other side says, and here's what I think. I'm like, no, I'm not going to tell you what the other side says because I think they're wrong, so I don't have to. <laughs> I'm, I'm not going to waste my space by explaining their position. That's that's stupid to me in, in my in my style anyway. Well, you know? yeah, I think it's but, like – But if like you only read me or... – yeah, yeah, right. Yeah, I'm not going to go up there and make, gonna the case make their for case. The other side. Right. <laughs> yeah, right. But, but if you only read me, you're going to start thinking like I do, and, and you're leaving out a whole lot of other information that might give you a better perspective. You know, as, as great as I think I am, I know that. And I learned that by reading about sometimes the same thing from four or five different places. And you go, wait a minute. These people all saw this differently because they're different people. Yeah. No, man. And so uh, that's it's all very on point, man. And here's why I brought up the Google Doc thing. Uh, mm-hmm. It made me th- it made me think about obviously we got a problem that needs fixing. Okay, it's been put off for too long. Uh, it, it, we got a fucking. And I mm-hmm. thought about we were me and my wife were watching the uh, Mrs. America. I don't know if you saw that. It was on Hulu, and it was all about uh, uh, women's lib and the Equal Rights Amendment and uh-huh. the rise of feminism. But the thing about it is that it all started. All those big movements started from books. Like there was a, some sort of great seminal piece on the subject that blew right. it open, right? Mm-hmm. Um, uh, uh, also, like the sexual liberation movements all came off of the joy of sex. I mean, just the, the simple The Joy of Sex book mm-hmm. changed the way people nut around the world for eons. <laughs> a lot of people have been happy or had yeah, happy moments. Exactly. That's, that's a, <laughs> so I'm thinking it might be time again for just that simple. It might be time for a, 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 a once in a lifetime generational book of like I, every airport. 
Uh, no, the the problem the problem with that, and 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 you're not wrong. I mean, there are there that that's that's a significant thing, and and books are are can be vital and have been vital. That the the problem though is we really are at a place where people do not read. We have a we have a, <laughs> we're we're at a couple of generations of jokers that ain't reading nothing at all no. that people put out. So so yeah. I, I don't I don't think one thing will do it. When, when, and real quick, you know, like I say, not to stick on the race thing totally, but mm-hmm. uh, Mike yeah. Finger, a kid who I've mentored some, and he's a he's a kid. He's not a kid anymore, <laughs> but I I knew him when he was in college. But he writes for right. the San Antonio Express News, and he's really really outstanding writer. Uh, and he's a columnist, and I guess he I didn't see what he wrote, but he wrote something about NASCAR and the news thing. And oh, yeah. he just posted an email that he received this morning. He posted one, an email and all of it was stupid. But there was one part in there. This guy says, I'm white and never think about being hung. So even if I see a noose, only black, <laughs> only black people have that insecure complex. And so to take it wow. to what, and, oh, and he goes, when was the last time a black man was hugged? Or a black, he didn't say a man. A black was hung maybe a hundred years ago. It's not like it happens on a regular basis. Well, see, that that's part that's, of that that's problem. That's bullshit. Yeah. Well, well, even the it's not even the facts that's the problem. It's the the dismissiveness of what a noose means to black people and what hanging means to black people, and that dismissiveness comes because we haven't been educated on it. I, I was I, on my radio show on Houston sports show on Sunday mornings on ESPN 97.5 from 8 to 10 a.m. Um, <laughs> a couple, <laughs> nice. of the, couple of the, the ladies on the show are younger. They're, you know, they're millennials and they're very sharp and very smart and they're fun and they're great sports uh, discussions we have, but they, they also don't know a lot of the things that I know because they just haven't been showed that and haven't been taught that. So like you mentioned the Tulsa thing that people haven't been taught it would be great if people read books about lynching. And I told them they needed to go get this book called 100 Years of Lynching. And it's got all it is, is just the newspaper compilation of stories about lynching, the stuff that was in the newspaper at the time. And it and people are amazed. They think lynching was all done in the dark, off mm-hmm. in the woods with nobody watching. No. I, and that's the thing. Like, instead of just reading it, if people saw pictures of the huge crowds that gathered for lynchings. People brought their children to come watch a black man get, you know, burned and castrated and his thing stuck in his mouth and then hung from a tree in the town square. All right. over. And, I mean, and, and, and people don't understand that, that that torture, that racist torture that they use is how you kept people in line. You didn't have to lynch a thousand people, and they did, but you didn't have to go to a city and lynch half, every black man in town. You lynch one every couple of years and let them know this could happen to you. And I mean, for nothing, you didn't have to have a reason to do it. There, I, I, there, there are newspaper accounts where they say there will be a lynching today at five. Oh. <laughs> the police is going. The police. The police will will let. He, this prisoner go at four o'clock. The lynching starts at five today. Be there. Lynching will be before five thousand people. They're selling. They're selling freaking refreshments at a lynching. God damn. You can you can buy hot dogs and sodas at a lynching. I mean, I it and 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 
people don't know that because they don't understand that history. Well, black people knew it. Yeah. You know, like I said, my dad didn't get the right to vote until he was 40 years old. Well, he knew when he was 18, he better not go up and try to vote. He could get killed if he showed up to try to vote. So it wasn't he didn't want to vote. <laughs> but yeah. am I supposed to just go and get killed like so many other people have gotten killed for trying to vote, trying to register to vote? And that that's history. That's the world in which we live. And these are not dead people. These are people who are still alive. These are people whose children were alive. They're, they're the kids trying to go to school and, and integrate schools. Do people not understand that wasn't that long ago? There were riots in Boston with white people rioting to keep people from going to school when I was in elementary school. And I'm not old. Yeah. <laughs> it, it's it, but, we, you know, it's we we're we're at such a place where you can have a man who's president who who pushes not knowing, who pushes falsehood, who pushes hate between the groups as opposed to an understanding and education. And trust me, for the most part, and I only say for the most part because some of us aren't like that, black people aren't trying to get revenge, just trying to get some equality. If we were trying to get some revenge, it'd be much uglier than it is. Yeah, no shit. Well, yeah, oh man, it's so... And I know this is absolutely my, my white privilege to think this. I get that, right? But I was saying this the other day, like with everything that was going on with the pandemic, <laughs> the mm. economic collapse that was coming from it, and we everyone was just so overwhelmed, you know. And then when George Floyd happened and everything resulted from that, I hate to say that I was somebody like so many other people like me. My instinct was, man, do we have to do this now? <laughs> God damn. <laughs> I mean, how about, I, I just want to hold my hand and go, yeah, I agree. It's all fucked up. But God damn it. Can we put this off for a couple of months? Can we hold off for a little bit until we get some stuff straight? What? Oh, it's like, like too soon. Like, we should have done this in October. This would have been perfect for October. Weather would have been nice. been right for the election. God that, damn. That, 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 that is funny. And, and no, it, I, don't, I don't think there's anything wrong with that line of thinking, especially joking-wise as the way you are. Exactly. I'm agreeing that it's wrong. Yeah. yeah, right. But see, I've had that. We can go a couple places with this, but I'll go here first, real quick. <laughs> a, bu a buddy of mine was along those lines. Uh, uh, well, in in that same thought mindset, anyway. But he was he was more thinking like, man, you know, there's never been more incentive for people to commit crime right now because of what's going on, and then and then they're going at the police right now. Man, this is going to be. It could be, you know, anarchy. We, I don't know what to, you know. And he was. He's really like, you know, loading up and, you know, getting more ammunition because he's got, you know, mm -hmm. he got to protect his home, got to protect his family from all the the, the people that's going to be attacking. And I, and, and I hit him with something. And it, this is one of those things that would shock people. I was like, dude, the economy is not that bad for black people. And, and he didn't understand. He's like, what are you talking about? The economy is bad for everybody. I said, like, no, no, no. See, what you what you don't understand, the economy is always bad for black people. <laughs> so where where there are a lot of white people who are freaking out, you know, and by white, I'll even admit at that point, I'm talking about people who are upper middle class and middle class right. who are freaking out. Poor people, they they've been poor. They exactly. dealt with poor. This ain't nothing new. The the 
and and I and and I told him that before I even looked it up. Then I said, "Let me look it up because I want to I want to prove this point to him because he was telling me I was full of it." The unemployment rates are ridiculous, right? Oh, so yeah. the unemployment rate in May and April, those unemployment rates are the same as they were in May and April of 2011 for black men. Right. They're the same as they were in 1995 for black men. They're the same as they were in 1985 for black men. They're a lot lower than they were for black men in 1982 and 83. They're the same as they were for black men in 1975. So we, this is, this is for a lot of black people. This is our life. Like, Hey, unemployment is a little high. Hey, okay. <laughs> That's good. Yeah, I hadn't thought about that. I hadn't thought about that perspective. For poor, for poor people, you know what, what poor people are today, the same as they were 10 years ago, the same as they were 30 years ago, the same as they were 50 years ago? They, they poor. That's, that's yeah, just what they are. Poor. Yeah, right. It's not like, and so his, his thinking of, oh, man, these poor people are in bad shape. They're going to come. No, they're not. <laughs> people who steal, steal. And yeah, poverty leads a lot to it, but there's no more poverty now than there was six months ago for poor yeah, we, people. That's true. <laughs> we were we were already broke. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, for people who have we, people who had nothing, they still have nothing. You know, I've been a starving you know? artist uh, for most of my <laughs> adult life. So whenever everything shut down and people were making a big fuss about, ooh, we're not going out to eat so much. We're cooking at home. We're baking mm. bread. Oh, we 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 can't pay for cable this month. We lost our phone. I'm like, motherfucker, that's like, my that's really? been my life already. Yeah, and, welcome yeah, to and, it. And, I mean, and you're you're one of those people. I'm certainly one of those people. It 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 is a a, a, a different world when I realize there are people out there who've never been broke before, who never who never <laughs> had no money, who who never had their lights turned off and didn't have a dime to get them turned back on. They, that that ain't necessarily white, but you know, majority of that group is white. But boy, yeah, that's a privilege. Right. That's a privilege if you've never had that. And trust me, I've got two eleven-year-old daughters. One's about to turn twelve. Um, that I adopted five years ago. And trust me, I'm doing everything I can so they have nothing but that privilege. And right. and they're irritating the hell out of me with their privilege now. <laughs> <laughs> These jokers, man, they because they're cooking now, so they cook eggs every day. And I was like, man, I had eggs like on Sundays if I was lucky. They're cooking yeah. eggs every. We're going through like two dozen eggs a week. <laughs> it's ridiculous. But I keep buying it because yeah, I'm gonna give my girls all the stuff that you know that I didn't have and I might be ruining them, but I'd rather ruin them with good than bad. You know? Well, I, I it cracks me up because his parents, you know, I've got you know kids too. And I can imagine, I mean, I got my, you know friends of mine that are black with families, you know, and the big, then it helped educate me is the idea of uh, trying to change the 200 years of the, the loss of black wealth. So like trying to turn it around, you know, and to provide for his kids to set them on the trajectory and just gives this impassioned speech about how important it is. And, and I get it. I'm all for it. And then, then he's like, you, then he's like, and now these spoiled bitches want a brand new iPhone. 
<laughs> I was like, you were just telling me about all the generational wealth and we I, had to reverse the curse. And it's like, yeah, I know, but still, a motherfucking iPhone is $1,200. Fuck that. <laughs> I, I mean, the, boy, you, the, some of the things that they say just crack me up because, I mean, they're just, they're, they're way, way, way spoiled. And I know it's, it's all, on, it's on me because I spoiled the hell out of them. But, they had a rough life before I got there. They were in CPS custody, and um, uh, and it, but but I probably would be this way anyway. But I mean, I really, I really am just like, no, you just, it, I, I'd rather try to deal with the super spoiled kids <laughs> than uh, than think that my child is lying there not not happy because she couldn't get what she wanted. You know, I got you too. trust me, I know twenty. 20 years well, it's, that's the problem it's it's too late they're too smart yeah. <laughs> 20 years from now i'll i'll regret it you know on many levels i'm sure but you know they 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 but but i've i'm also i along with teaching them they can get whatever they want because daddy is going to give it to them i'm also teaching them if you want it you got to earn it cuz that's what daddy's done that's how that's how i got it to be able to give it to you so no when they'll they'll be spoiled i don't think there's anything wrong with being spoiled if you if you're going to spoil yourself when you get older it's the people who are spoiled and expect somebody else to give it to them yeah I, th- I think it's the good lesson the show is first off you show them that now it's possible for you to have these things right these aren't mm-hmm. things that are out of reach or impossible for you to have now you need to learn how to work and get them for yourself. <laughs> yeah, right. That's exactly. The, yeah. That's the second part. And, yeah, and, I, and I, I killed that. You know, we, we, I mean, we just we, so much of what we we're educated on. I, you know, I think is you know it's a mental game, and it's a, a lot of it I disagree with. You know, that American dream stuff. Like, you know, it's it, no, it's 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 got to be your dream. Damn the American dream, because <laughs> your dream might not be what others would think the American dream is, you know, true. Your, your dream, your dream might not, you might not want to be a billionaire and live in mansions. You may, you may want a lot simpler things. What, so whatever it is that you want to me, the American dream is you get to live your dream, whatever that is. If you, if you work and get it done. And the, the problem is there are a lot of people who want to get in the way of your dream, which is real irritating. It's like, man, why would you mess with somebody else's dream? You know, why would you, why, right. why would you affect their life? I mean, lead people. I'm one of those, I leave people alone. I, I mind my own business. I stay away. And if we get all those caring videos. These are people who have messed with other people. Like, mm-hmm. why? <laughs> why do you got to go out of your way to bother someone else? It's, it's incredible. Yeah, I, it's the only streak in me that I have that is in any way libertarian is that I just leave people alone. <laughs> yeah. you know what it's I mean? real simple. They, uh, they're not bothering you. You're not worried about them. Yeah, it's easier for me to get away from them in case they are bothering me. Then all of a sudden, I need to, <laughs> I need to be a viral video as well. Well, shit. Yeah. well hey, Jerome, I appreciate you coming on. You know, we so, really, so you, so we're not going to do any sports. You know what? <laughs> Here, here's the thing. I think we talked enough about sports. Is there is sports to talk about? Unfortunately, isn't that the truth? <laughs> Yeah, there, 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 there will be soon. Um, oh. you know, I'll come, I'll come back on once we crank up some. some What's games the actual sports? I'll ask, the business. Yeah. I'll ask you real, real quick when the, uh, about baseball because it seems like baseball is going to come back for what fifty games? Fifty games? Yes. Jerk off season. Games. Sixty, mm-hmm. right? Um, I'm cool with it. My one question that I have for you is: Should they just label the entire season an exhibition and have a completely different title game? 
doesn't this make the the title of World Series champion sort of? Uh, it's not going to be a I, regulation no. year. Shouldn't they yeah, just play see, it as that, such? No, and I'll, and I'll tell you why. That 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 sounds all cool and any for a fan, but am I gonna tell the, the players are gonna play? Those games are gonna be games. They're gonna try to win, and when they win, they want to deserve. They, I mean, it, it's not like the other team's not gonna try. So you know who's gonna win it? The best team is gonna win it, or whoever plays the best is going to win it. And so you're gonna take that away from me? You know, I mean. I, no, I, I mean, I, and, and, and the thing about it, we don't, we don't really do that in anything else. It's, it's funny how we like to, we, we take our sports so seriously that we like to punish people who are in sports for playing sports. <laughs> but I, I don't care that it's a 60 game season. It's 2020. That's, they'll play 60 games. They'll play the playoffs. There'll be a team that'll win. That team deserves it. That, that team may not have gone through what the Astros did in 2017 to win it. Well, they yeah. won't have to cheat to do it. That's but, a whole different animal. That's a whole episode. But, but I, I know if I'm one of the players, I, I'm I'm a pop champagne in the in the clubhouse. Just I mean, hey, oh, it's a win. I mean, I'm no, that's I fair. that's fair. So, and I'm always pro player. I go to the me too. I, I mean, I go to the game to watch the players play. I don't go to watch the owner own. You know, <laughs> I, mean, I go to watch the players play. So these guys are going to play their butts off and try to win. And they're going to win. And, and, and if you labor the next exhibition, then you then you, you want NFL preseason games. That's you, you see the difference in, in regular season game versus preseason game, right? Of course. Oh, yeah. Totally. So so if the NFL only plays 10 games instead of 16, do you think they're going to play those 10 like a preseason game or they going to play them like a regular state? I mean, they're going to still risk knees and necks and arms and legs to win. I don't care how many games they play. They're playing it to win, and the, the team that wins deserves well, deserves I, a title. I get you, but here, here's why I think – here's my argument for why calling the special 2020 season something different and just having a different championship title for it is there's going to be lots of players who won't play because they don't want to get sick. There's going to be players who do play half the season, get sick, and then they're out. Um, they're going to have to make some sort of roster rules, and they're going to have to expand rosters. They're going to be bringing up dues. There's going to be weird free agency twists because they're going to have to fill rosters. So the legitimacy of the title will already be in question and factored in no matter mm-hmm. what. Because if, like you're saying, one team's okay. going to win it, well, then you're going to have 29 that go, eh, so well, may that, as well just factor in that in the first place. Well, so take away no. the, the discussion and just say it's a separate entity. So you're trying to do it in a pre- premature evacuation. Mm-hmm. No. We're not going to bail on the season until they play it. Okay. So all, of the, all that stuff you said, if it turns out to be as dire as you described, it'll, it'll, it'll happen organically. We'll go, oh, this is a wasted season. Mm-hmm. But you, you, we don't know all those players are going to miss all those games. And, and we don't know all those players who are going to decide not to play. I mean, how, um, how many is that going to be? Right. And so if, say, say, the Astros play the 60 games in the playoffs and the only thing is Justin Verlander misses two weeks because he tested positive for COVID-19, right? Well, mm-hmm. he, you know, he, he could have had a sore arm and missed two weeks. 
He could have gone on a disabled list for a knee or a back or an elbow or something and missed a couple of weeks. Now, if 15 Astros are out for two months, <laughs> then we'll say, oh, well, see, the Astros didn't even have a chance to compete that season, so that doesn't count. Because right. no other regular season would 15 players be all out for two months at the same time for mm-hmm. anything. So then you'd be right. Well, this is the right. COVID nineteen season. You, you, you know? turned me. So, you turned me around on this. I'll tell you what wins me over. Um, I'm talking about something that would take away fans' right to complain. <laughs> it would, <laughs> and that is by no means the spirit of sports. The spirit of sports is <laughs> you have to leave in the asterisk. You have to leave in the by the way, so that you have something to argue about and talk about for I, years. That's that is that is one of the key elements to uh, to keeping sports at the forefront of everything is the argument. That's that's why they give media good seats and free entry into the game, because they want us to turn around and tell the story so that people will discuss what happened in the game who weren't there. You know, I mean, yeah, because. You know, and and people are like, oh, well, the teams have their own websites now. Yeah, but the only people that go there are the are the crazy fans who go directly there, and then it, it right. changes a little bit. But they they want us to tell their story. That's why they do the interviews. That's why they're required to do interviews. They want their story out there, and they want you to love them, but they don't mind if you hate them. But they most importantly, they just want you to talk about it. You know, they, yeah. they want you to care about what's going on. And yeah, no, the, the, the worst thing you can do is before a game, let alone a season like you're talking about. But even before a game, if you tell everybody, well, this game doesn't count. You, you know what? Nobody cares. <laughs> yeah. yeah. If you're sitting around having full on debates with people about NFL preseason games. You you need help. Because <laughs> no, nobody's supposed to care about it. the players. Don't care. The coaches don't care. The owners care because they get paid in preseason. And the the people don't realize that like NFL players make the veterans they make two thousand dollars a week during the preseason. All right. Okay. That hold on. Truck. I I got a, I got a uh, I got a by the way here to ask you about. Okay. So here's a uh-huh. a, a possible scenario, a hypothetical. Let's say in one of these coronavirus season games, right, mm-hmm. where different teams are having roster problems, they're bringing guys up from a minor leagues that aren't playing. So you've got all sorts of disparity and preparedness, right? Mm-hmm. Let's say Alex Bregman hits five home runs in a game off of a double A pitcher who was working at fucking Lowe's two days before. Okay. Now, five home runs in a game, that would be major league record, right? Isn't four the top or is it five? Uh, that, that, that sounds about right. <laughs> Whatever it is. Five right. homers mm-hmm. sets the major league record. Right. But then it's always going to be discussed. Yeah, but he hit off a guy who was changing oil a night before. Like So in the NFL strike season, when they had the replacement players, those replacement games, they're part of canon, right? Those those records stand. Those are official games. The stats are right. in the books, right? And even though they were rando dudes. Uh-huh. Yeah. Here, here's here's the thing. I mean, I, I and I and I and I know you you were just describing a scenario and you you but you need to go farther than that. Okay. If he hits if he hits it against a guy who was in double A two two days ago, well, there have been thousands and thousands and thousands of at bats in major league history where people went against the guy who was in double a a couple of days ago. 
none of those guys hit five homers in the game. So the record is the record. Now, if the entire pitching staff is out. (laughs) Oh, yeah. That's why they have to leave him in. He's just getting shelled. And they literally sign a guy off the street. That's different, you know. But, But again, that's baseball. As, yeah. as Craig Biggio says a million times, that's baseball. They guys get hurt. Guys, they're I mean, dude. They play games now where they put in outfielders to come in and pitch. Mm-hmm. You yeah, don't think it, those hits count? Players pitching. Yeah, they do. Yeah, they absolutely do. So, so let's let's wait to see what happens before we start panicking about what happened. <laughs> All right. All right. I'm with you. I'm with you, Drew. You let, let it play let it play out first. And and I and I will tell you this you can you can you you can put this one in the bank in case it comes true down the road and then you'll go, damn, Jerome mentioned that. I like there's that. a lot better chance of a team hiding positive test results than sitting the whole team down because of positive test results. Think about it. If oh. you ran a team <laughs> Think about it. You ran a team, you just gonna sit down your whole team, or you like, you know what? (laughs) We good. We know we got it now, so let's go on. Let's do this. (laughs) Wow. If you're sick, you're out. If you're not sick, see see you at the ballpark at one. (laughs) Yeah, they're gonna be real fuzzy with us. Oh, he's always running those. Like that, he's fine. Yeah, just we're playing our outfield a little bit deeper today, <laughs> just oh to keep them away from each other. <laughs> oh yeah, exactly. It's, a, it's the perfect social distancing sport. Exactly. No, oh, I shit. trust me. I, I think I I don't think it's going to be as bad as uh, as 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 you're describing the possibility. I I think it's going to work out fine. Excellent. Well, I think uh, I appreciate. I, I've kept you. You get back to your normal life. So we'll do it quick. The final question of the podcast. Um, if we found ourselves in a complete societal collapse, like a doomsday event, like a walking dead, like a Mad Max scenario, what would Jerome Solomon do to survive? What skills do you have that you could apply in that, in that scenario? I, I have, I have a natural charm and the ability to use words to get people to follow me. So I would be able to talk, the biggest, baddest people to protect me, the most gorgeous, violent, sexy, dangerous women. <laughs> yes. To guard me closely. <laughs> and, 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 and I'll be all right. Cause I'll, I'll have, I'll, I'll form a group of people that we'll have our own little gang of, Hey, we're gonna survive this, but we're gonna do it together. And Jerome is our leader. That 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 would be my skill. Would be able to put together the best, best and the baddest. And I was always like that. I mean, in school, I mean, I talk a lot of noise. I ain't the biggest dude, but I I wasn't gonna take no ass whoopings either. But <laughs> mainly because I had my boys <laughs> who who were willing to throw down for me or with me. I'm sorry, with me. With you. With you, with you. I'm right here with you guys. I'm here with you. <laughs> I'm right here with you. Get, you get the big one. Yeah, get him. <laughs> oh, that's cool. Well, thank you, Drum. I'm going to cut it there, man. I uh, That was a great conversation. And thank you so Thanks much for, having for doing me, that sir. with me today, man. That was so cool. I feel like I learned a lot, and I can't wait to share this because I, uh, I think the listeners are going to love it. Very cool, man. Appreciate it. Thanks for having me on. Thanks again to my guest today, Jerome Solomon. 
Uh, you can follow Jerome uh, on Twitter at uh, Jerome Solomon. It's just that simple. If you can spell Jerome and Solomon, put them together, bam, you found him on Twitter. I'll spell it just in case. J-E-R-O-M-E-S-O-L-O-M-O-N. Boom. Nailed it. Uh, yeah, yes, you can listen to the Houston, the Houston Sports Show on ESPN 97.5 in Houston, Sunday mornings from 8 to 10. Obviously, you can read his uh, his columns and his writings on Houston Chronicle. That's uh, cron.com. And uh, I, don't, I don't know if he told you or not, but he's got a show coming out soon. I'm sure he'll announce uh, on AT&T Sportsnet. So uh, looking forward to seeing that as well. Really enjoyed that conversation. And thank you, Jerome, for coming on and uh, speaking some truth and uh, and educating me. Man. I appreciate that. I feel every, every little bit helps. As you can hear, my kids are just going apeshit crazy around me. This is the standard operating procedure here at the Wesling House. It's been a fun week of uh, episodes. Uh, I've got one that I'm about to record this afternoon that I'm going to put up for the weekend. So we're going to have a nice little weekend uh, after later lounge uh, episode with Patrick McClellan, uh, comic writer here out of Houston, uh, co-host uh, with James Yasko of Astros County. Or James Yasko of Astros County dot net but they co-host a podcast called lima time time so and patrick's a very funny guy uh and looking forward to hanging out with him so that'll be the episode that we put up tomorrow but thank you to all of my guests this week i uh, got great ones lined up for next week as well you're gonna love it appreciate you spreading the word and if any of you uh, want to be a guest here on the after later podcast always looking for interesting and unique people hit me up on twitter at john wesling j-o-h-n-w-e-s-s-l-i-n-g um, the show's twitter after later a-f-t-e-r-l number eight letter e-r the show's Facebook page is After Later Podcast, and my comedy Facebook page is John Wessling Official. Uh, what else was I going to tell you? I know there was something else I was going to tell you. Uh, my, 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 it's bl- it, it, oh yeah, my comedy album Warm at First is uh, still available. Thank you to uh, the fine people at 800 Pound Gorilla Records. Um, pretty much uh, available for download or streaming anywhere that they download or stream comedy. Uh, appreciate you, uh, th- those of you who have bought the album or listened to it. Uh, appreciate it, man. This was super, super cool of you. Big thanks to my sponsors, my advertisers, uh, alamoremedy.com for some fine, amazing CBD products. Uh, expecting mine to show up any day, and I need them because my back is killing me. Uh, but very, very low price, $17.99 for all of their uh, products. All their products are 250 milligrams of CBD. Um, and yeah, if you enter the promo code after later, A-F-T-E-R-L-A-T-E-R, all caps, all one word, 10% off your order and free shipping for orders over $49. As you can hear, it's going crazy here. Uh, Old Double Straight Whiskey. Find it at your local, um, your local uh, liquor store, uh, and uh, it does its job. Old Double Straight Whiskey. All right, I, I got to get out of here. The kids are driving me crazy. I got to get back to parenting. Pat McClellan coming up for the weekend edition. And you have been an amazing uh, audience. Thank you for listening. Thank you for spreading the word. Thanks for all your ratings and reviews. This is After Later. I'm John Wessling. That's the show. Goodbye. Bye.